Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your many blessings to us. We thank you for your love, for your watch care. We thank you for health and for life. And we thank you that you have given us brains and you have said in your in your word come let us reason together and so that's what we're wanting to do tonight we pray that your holy spirit will be here as we open up your word that you will make it clear and plain help me as i present and uh i pray that you will convict our hearts as well in your name we pray amen all right revelation's eternal sign does anybody ever feel like they're this guy right here i don't know about you but i felt like this guy today this is a, a guy, he's got his briefcase, he's running so fast, his, his tie is going whoosh, and he's on a hamster wheel. You ever feel like you're on a hamster wheel, and you're just going in circles, go, 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 and you're not even sure how to get off the thing? Yeah, that can uh, be what life is about. We've already talked a little bit about smartphones and how you can never get away, how they're constantly buzzing, how they're constantly telling you new things you need to talk about or address or text back or email and on and on and on. I think back to the day when everything was on paper, how different the world was when everything was on paper. And maybe you had piles of paper on your desk to go through and sort through. And it's interesting to me how with every passing decade, they say, oh, we've created this thing that will make your life more simple, right? This machine now will wash your clothes so you don't have to go down to the river and scrub and scrub. Now, mind you, I love washing machines. Uh, Now we have cars. We don't have to uh, pony up, so to speak, and go across town and give them enough straw and water and all the rest. But the more inventions that we come up with for faster, faster paced life, really the crazier life can be. If you, you think back and, you know, we like to read to our kids the uh, Little House on the Prairie series. You ever read any of that? And they really enjoy that, and we enjoy that. And life wasn't simple then. Oftentimes we portray it very, very uh, picturesque, but it was hard. There's no doubt about that. But there was something about it that was just very simple. You just provided for your most basic needs, and, and while you were riding your horse or while you were walking to town, there was that time of refreshment, maybe, or time of reflection. And it seems like today, reflection is just, um, almost doesn't exist because we're constantly being bombarded. Can I use that word, bombarded? I mean, go, go, go. I was, Paul, the other day, as, as uh, I was filling up the car with gas, and all of a sudden, it wasn't just a voice talking to me, but it was a screen there at the gas pump, and it was just talking to me, and there were commercials, and boom, 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 fast, fast, fast. I can't even have a moment to reflect while I'm filling up my car with gas. It's just coming in all the time. It gets crazy. Now, what happens before we finish this cell phone? What happens? (laughs) Have you ever woken up in the morning, those of you that count on this little device, and you go and you look, and all of a sudden that little bar at the top where it shows your battery is in the red, and it's only 7 o'clock or 6 o'clock, whatever time you wake up, in the morning. And you're like... Oh, oh no, I have to get through the whole day and I have no battery. What happened? What went wrong? It didn't charge. Is that important to have it charge? Oh, man. And I'm, so for the rest of the day, you're trying to plug in. You're trying to get this thing to charge a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit. Oh, and then it went out again and a little bit here. And did you get my tech? No, I didn't get, did you get the, oh, I didn't get that either. I tried to call you. I know you tried to call me, but my battery was dead. Even if you've just used the phone a lot throughout the day, 
a lot of phone calls, a lot of screen time, whatever it is, you can see that thing kind of going down lower and lower and lower. Now, that's a little piece of electronics. How about you and I? Do we need to plug in and recharge from time to time? And what happens if we don't recharge? Oftentimes we get sick. Our immunity becomes lower and lower. We get more fragmented in our mind. We can't concentrate as well. We're living on, on not enough sleep. We're not eating right. We're not doing all these things. And because we're intemperate in all of these areas, it starts to pile up more and more and more and more. In fact, there's a lot of studies that show a large number of illness and sickness and even disease is caused by our lifestyle and not pulling back and recharging. And oftentimes there's that pressure that if you pull back and you recharge, well, you're just being selfish. Oh, it must be nice, right? Well, I take every Thursday off and I go up on the park. Oh, it must be nice to go up on the parkway. I don't have that luxury. Why? Because I have to work, 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 work 12 hours every day for seven days a week. How come? So I can afford that big flat screen TV and that fancy car I drive, of course. That's quality of life right there. Work yourself into an early grave. Maybe you know people that have done that. I think you and I are very similar in the fact that we have a certain, I don't want to say life expectancy, but our, our day, right? If you've had one of those long days, you just can feel, oh, I need to go to bed. But think about how incredible that is to sleep and all of a sudden you wake up and you have more energy, you feel rested, and then maybe if you're not, you're not going to bed early enough. <clears throat> yes, yes, yes. God created and knew, or when he fashioned us, when he formed us, he knows what we need, right? How of you would buy a new car or a new appliance or a new something, and you bring it home, and this is a big purchase. I mean, there's side small purchases. You know, an impulse buy at the grocery store. It's a handy tool in the kitchen. That's fine. But this is a big purchase. And you bring it home. And where do you unravel this big purchase? None other than the kitchen table. Boom. And the whole family gathers around. Oh, what is this? Oh, yeah. I picked that up today. What is it? Oh, this thing's incredible. And you open it slowly. And everybody oohs and ahs as you pull it out, right? This is the big purchase. I don't know what it is. Now, eventually, it goes from that place of prominence in your home and then it goes to place of less prominence. Then it usually goes in a cupboard or cabinet to try and hide the thing that you maybe shouldn't have bought or don't need anymore. But you can't get rid of it, so then you take it to the garage. The garage is the last place. There's hardly any hope for this special thing anymore, right? Because once it reaches the garage, I think the garage is similar to the word garbage, right? It's almost there. It's sitting right next to the can, but you can't let it go. Anyway, I digress. But when you bring that thing home... You look at the owner's manual sometime, and depending on how much you paid for, or, or you, if you're a typical male, you try and figure it out, and you push all the buttons until you can't figure it out, and then you turn to what? Your wife. Who said that? <laughs> of course you ask your wife, because what's your wife doing? She's reading the manual, and she comes over so sweetly and so kindly and says, well, dear, it's because you have to push this first, and this first, and then, oh, yes, beep, and then all of a sudden it works, and it comes on, and oh, how did you know? Well, I read the manual. Oh, that thing I discarded that was covered in plastic. Yeah, I took the plastic off. It's very helpful in learning how, you know, you know how it goes, right? Did God give us a manual? What is it? Really? Has it been discarded? Are people trying to figure it out on their own? 
mashing all kinds of buttons and pushing and prodding and doing all kinds of crazy things when God told us how we can function best in his word because he created us, he fashioned us, he formed us, he knows what we need. God wrote the law to endure for how long? Forever. And right there in the heart of the law, we have in Exodus 20, verse 8 to 11, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It's kind of even a joining commandment. Here we have the first commandments on how to honor God, and then the last on how to honor each other or your neighbor. We talked about that last night. But here in the fourth, they both join together. I mean, what other commandment can God join us in? Can you think of one? Thou shalt not kill. Can God join us in that? Don't commit adultery. Can God join us? Don't you know, use the name of the Lord thy God's name in vain. Can he join us in it? But in the fourth commandment, he can. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And why did God say remember? I'd say for a couple reasons. One, it presupposes that word remember that they already knew about it. It wasn't brand new. Otherwise, it would say, hey, and I got a brand new one for you. But he doesn't say that. So then my wife says that. Remember what I just asked you yesterday? Have you forgotten already? Remember. And not only that, I think it also presupposes this idea that God can see on into the future and know which one people will forget. Is that possible? Oh, well, we're not under the law. We're under grace. Okay, so I can go to your house and I can, you know, kill your cat and steal your wife and all these other things. No, 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 no. That, you can't do that. And you can go through the whole list. Well, that means I can worship other gods. No, 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 no. You can't do that. I can take his name in vain? No, no, no. So really, the only commandment you're telling me that is no longer binding is the one that begins with the word, remember. Does that make much sense? Doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do how much work? No work. I don't know about you, but if I didn't have this command of no work, I'd feel guilty every seventh day. I would. Because there's always something to be done. Either around the house, in the yard, with, you know, I need to keep track of my personal finances, I need to do this, I need to catch up on that, I need to write this person, or whatever it is. And if I didn't have the command, and so in that command comes the freedom and the joy of, can't do it. How would you like your boss to come along and say, on such and such a day, you cannot work. Will you still pay me? Ah, sure, no problem. But you can't work. This is great. Now, if I catch you working, you lose the whole thing and the job is lost. Would you honor that? Would you feel guilty for not working? Probably not. You'd be like, this is great. I love this command because I don't have to feel guilty. If I try and take a Sabbath on a Monday or a Sunday or a, or a Thursday or any other day, I feel guilty because I should be, in my mind, I feel like I should be doing this other thing. What am I doing up here on the parkway? Everybody's slaving away at work. I feel guilty. But when I have a command from God that says, don't work. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The origin of the Sabbath is the creator himself. Not the Jewish race, but the creator. It says the seventh day is the Sabbath. Did you catch that? It doesn't say a seventh. Just pick a seventh. Pick any day. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's going to, you know, I can't do it this day or this day, but then, okay, seven. It says the seventh day. And if you look on a calendar, 
Now, sometimes they put all the weekdays in a clump and put the weekend on the end, but everybody knows that's not the typical. You go all the way across, one, two, three, four, five, six, oh, seven. Sabbath or Saturday. Just like the 24th, my birthday happens to be the 24th. The day before, it's not my birthday. And the day after, it's not my birthday. The 24th is my birthday. What about an anniversary? Elizabeth, I know that our anniversary's on July 6th, but there was that other girl I dated. And our birthday, or our anniversary was on the 15th. And, and I just really liked it. It was easy to remember. It was right in the middle of the month. And I just liked that. Let's celebrate our anniversary on the 15th. Because what, what difference does it make? We're still celebrating our love. That'll go over like a lead balloon. <laughs> Exodus 28 through 11. But the seventh day, the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. For in six days, what's the authority behind why he's saying these things? For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. Doesn't that sound very familiar? In fact, that exact, that's like a quote. You can take that in our cut and paste society. You highlight it, you cut it, and you run all the way down to Revelation, chapter 14, where we already read, and you paste it right there. Literally, that's what we have in the biblical text. A cut and a paste right there. Right out of the fourth commandment. And rested the seventh day. So he created all these things. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. And he rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day. Have we seen that before? Yes. And hallowed it. He made it holy. So again, we have those three. He made it holy or sanctified it. He blessed it and he rested Wow, we came across that in Genesis, didn't we, at creation? Hmm. Okay, the Sabbath was never an exclusively Jewish, Jewish institution. It was given for all humanity from the very beginning, right from the start. Okay, Isaiah 56, 6 and 7 says, Everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath. Now, does anybody have a translation that says, Any Jew, anybody have a translation that reads that way? You sure? Everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath, I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. This is the holy mountain that he's describing, the same one that we read about in Revelation earlier. Everyone who keeps his Sabbath, it said, will be able to be part of that. The same God who wrote it with his finger in the Ten Commandments. So we have it in creation we have it with the children of Israel in the sanctuary. We have it throughout the Old Testament. Here we have Ezekiel 20, verse 12. Moreover, I also gave them my Sabbath to be a sign between them and me. Now, when I was growing up, I probably shouldn't admit this, but in grade school, if you were dating somebody, I don't even know why we called it dating or boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever you called it, you would switch your swatch watch was a really stupid thing because all these girls are walking around with a big watch and all the guys are walking around with a tiny watch. Stupid. And of course, in grade school, that means that you, you swap swatch watches and that's about it. That you, you can't talk to them. That's embarrassing. You can't hang out together because what are you going to say and you just blush. But you change, exchange watches. As a sign that somehow you're connected. Don't ask me at what level. 
I like you. You know, it's the whole, if you like me, check yes or no. You remember that? Yeah. And then it's like, does that mean I get your watch? (laughs) That's what it was in my day. Silliness. This is not silly, though. God says, I'm going to give you my Sabbath as a sign between them and me that they might know that I am the Lord who sanctifies them. God gave us that sign. Beautiful. So we have it in in Genesis and the creation account. We have it with Moses and Mount Sinai. How about Jesus? Well, Jesus says in Luke 4, 16, well, he doesn't say these words, it's talking about. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, talking about Jesus, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. As was his what? Custom. Here we have Jesus going to the synagogue, the church, on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. Interesting. Mark 2, 27 says the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. God knew we'd need to recharge, didn't he? And so he built in. He says we need to do this every week, not every month or once a year. No, that's not going to work. Every week you need to recharge. Well, can I worship God every day of the week? Yes, you should. But you still have to do those six days of work. When are you going to do that? needs to be done. You have to take care of your family. You have to take care of your house and and go to work and provide and all these things. But the seventh day, he says, just put it all away. It's a weekly time to rest and refresh and recharge and connect with family in a way that you can't do the rest of the week. It's just not possible. It's not practical. Sal is made for man. So the Sabbath is a sign that we worship him exclusively and that we love him supremely. That's the sign of the Sabbath. So we rest in a completed creation and in a completed redemption. Some people say, oh, the Sabbath. Oh, I get so tired of hearing about the Sabbath. It's so legalistic. Wait a second, legalistic? What does it mean to be legalistic? To work. You're trying to get to heaven through works. Sabbath isn't about works. The Sabbath is trying to tell us to do what? Rest. Stop working. You're working too much. In fact, you need to rest. So if anything, the Sabbath is not legalistic. It's telling everybody to rest. What are we resting in? We're resting in completed creation and we're resting in completed redemption. We're resting in the fact that Jesus made us. He formed us. He fashioned us. He has a right to us. And he's also reclaimed us. And we're resting in that as a sign that we are his. Isn't that beautiful? Matthew 12, 12. It is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Now, when Jesus came, they had codified the Sabbath so much that they had lost its meaning entirely. And that can happen, can it? That can happen in your married relationship and a lot of other things, too. If you just start going through the motions, you can become roommates. And and the whole point of certain things and rituals that you do can be completely lost. And that had been the case in Jesus' time. And so... You couldn't work, and so you could only walk a certain distance, and they had paced off exactly how far that distance was. And so they came up with little rules and different things. You couldn't carry a handkerchief because that was work. You were you carrying a load. But if you pin it to your clothing, then it's part of your clothing, and so then it's okay. 
Or if you go and you stay at somebody's house or you visit with them, that somehow made it possible for you to go just a little bit further and that kind of thing. I mean, crazy stuff. Literally, you couldn't spit on the Sabbath because you'd be watering, and watering is work. <laughs> what? Had they lost the point? of rest and relationship and recharging and being able to spend a whole unrushed, unhurried day with God, they'd missed it. And sometimes people are tempted today to make all these rules and regulations about exactly how to keep the Sabbath. Now, I know for me, part of rest means to pull away from all those things that distract me from God and from my family and the physical rest and all these things, I pull away. So I don't watch the news on Sabbath. I don't open all my, these bills that might show me, you know, oh my goodness, how did this happen? Now I'm stressed for the rest of the day. I don't look at all those things. I unplug for a day. And it's incredible. In fact, you have a lot of people talking about the importance of unplugging for a day. Even the Pope's been talking about it. How our planet needs to rest. That's a great idea. I wonder who came up with it. Yeah. So is it lawful to do good? Or he said it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. They always try to catch him if he was healing or if he was doing this or if he was doing that. He says it's a good thing to do good things on the Sabbath. Does that make sense? It's a good thing to do good things on the Sabbath. Even at the cross, it's interesting that Jesus rested. What day did he die? Friday. Friday. What day did he raise? So did he rest on that Sabbath as well? Isn't that interesting? Must just be a coincidence, huh? I don't know. Again, this verse, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now, if you don't, don't bother. And I realize this might be brand new. This is strange. This is weird. I have, how have I not seen this before? How have I overlooked it? And you don't just instantly, but... But you can, in fact, I, I talked to somebody just recently and said, Pastor Ryan, we kept our first Sabbath. It was beautiful. They said we did all of our grocery shopping on Friday so we didn't have to worry about what we were going to eat. And I even, I even put the chicken in the oven and roasted it before Sabbath so it would be ready. I said, that's wonderful. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> and it's something that, that you have to continually... Um, I don't know, you, you have to get in the habit of certain things, you have to plan ahead. It's kind of like that date. The more you plan for that date, the more rewarding the, the time's gonna be, isn't it? If you get in the car and you say, what you wanna do? I don't know what you wanna do. Are you hungry? Where should we go? Is it open? I don't know. Is that the idea of a perfect date? The opposite of that is that I heard this recently. A guy was talking to a bunch of high school kids, and they're all ears when it comes to dating stuff, right? They just perk up. And he was talking about this guy that really liked this girl, and he asked her out on a date, and she said yes. And he started planning and planning and planning, and he ordered this long limousine and, and had to work extra to pay for it. Then he got all these roses, and then he planned and made reservations at this beautiful restaurant in, in downtown Asheville somewhere. Maybe it was a Biltmore. I don't know. And he went on and on planning this incredible date, and he came and showed up the time that he, she said she'd be ready, and he, come, he comes out of the, the limo, and he's walking up to the door, and he... She's not ready, like at all. 
well, are, are you ready to go out on a date? You know, it's, it's okay. You can just go like, like you are. She says, oh, how was tonight? Oh, well, I really wasn't planning on it tonight. Can we reschedule it? Oh, and this guy was crushed. I believe every Sabbath, God has a date with you and I. And he gets so excited about that extra time that he can spend with us. And so often we say, oh, I'm busy. I'm busy. How about next week or the next week? Or I don't know. When we see what God has done for us, we'll be compelled to obey his commandments. Jesus also said this in Matthew 24, verse 20. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. Jesus is telling his disciples, assuming that all the way down to the end of time, there would still be seasons and there would still be people keeping the Sabbath. That's what I think. Now, we also know that not too long later, the Romans came and tried to attack Jerusalem and they actually came and looked like they were surrounding the city on a Sabbath. And so Christians gathered together and they prayed based on what Jesus said. And the, the Roman army actually pulled back. Look it up. And they pulled back. And then every Christian escaped before the Romans came back and totally took over the city. It's history. Jerusalem was destroyed in A.D. 70. So has time ever been lost? It's interesting. People bring up this question, has time ever been lost? But when it comes to Good Friday and Easter Sunday, they seem to know exactly when the time is. I just find it interesting. But we can look at, at the Bible. We've already done most of that. We can look at language. We can look at astronomy to answer this question. We've already gone to the Garden of Eden. We've looked at Moses. We've looked at what Jesus' habits were. We saw that Jesus rested on the Sabbath. Then here in Luke 23, 54, it says, That day was the preparation and the Sabbath drew near. So the preparation day is Friday. Okay? In fact, in the Hebrew, you can even break it down in the Hebrew, and it, it basically says so many days until Sabbath are the names of the days. That's what it is. All you, the only day that's named is Sabbath, and then it's six days until Sabbath, five days till Sabbath, four days till Sabbath, three days till Sabbath, two, and eventually it's Sabbath. I guess if you're on the sixth day, could it still be six days away? Anyway, that's what you have in the Hebrew. So that day was a preparation day, and the Sabbath drew near, and the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after, and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. Now you would think, you know, oh, this is an ox in the ditch. We have, you know, this is Jesus. This is our Savior. This is the Son of God. He, this is fine. We, we, we need to continue to prepare this body. But they say, no, we're, we're going to rest according to the commandment, and we're going to come back after the Sabbath and finish. Whoa. And not only did they do that, but they thought it was necessary to put it in, the, in Scripture. Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women went with them, came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. Sometimes I hear people talk about the ox in the ditch. seems like that ox is in the ditch all the time. Now, granted, if you have a flat tire on the Sabbath, you need to change it because you're probably on your way to church or whatever. But sometimes we use that to ignosium. Anyway, so order of events. We have the Friday, the preparation day. We have Saturday, the Sabbath day. And we have Sunday, the first day of the week. 
There are eight texts in the New Testament that mention the first day of the week, and not one of them tells us to worship on Sunday in honor of the resurrection. It's not there. I'll give you a million bucks if you can find it. It's not there. Some of you are thinking, you don't have a million bucks, and you'd be right. Christ has given us a symbol of the resurrection. You know what it is? It says right here in Romans 6, 3, and 4, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Keep reading. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. Can't breathe when you're underwater. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. You come up out of the water and the first breath, newness of life. Beautiful symbolism of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. That's the symbol of resurrection. So how can we know which day is the Sabbath? We have biblical reasons. How about language? In over 140 languages of the world, the word for the seventh day of the week is Sabbath. Did you know that? So if you take Greek, Spanish, Portuguese, Italian, French, German, Russian, Polish, Persian, Hindi, Arabic... They all have a form of Sabbath. I find that very interesting. How would somebody orchestrate that? How would that just happen? I don't know. Seems awfully interesting to me. And lastly, we're going to look at astronomy here. Royal Greenwich Observatory in Greenwich, England. They talk about, oh, well, time's been lost. They changed the calendar. Yes, they did change the calendar because they hadn't figured out leap year and all this fancy math to keep us on track. And so their seasons were getting off and they didn't like having Christmas in the middle of summer or whatever it was. And so they changed the calendar here in 1582. And so it went from one, two, three, four to 15. Only time that we know in modern history that it's ever been changed. But look at the weekly cycle. Stays the same. How, I mean, you could convince even today if, if you had good reasons to do something like this today, but don't try and convince me I'm going to lose my weekend. Right? I don't like that idea of losing my weekend. you messing up my week. In fact, companies, Hewlett Packard and other companies and, and Monarchs and other people have tried to lengthen the week to be more productive. Two-day weekend? What is that? Now we're going to work up a little bit longer and then we'll give them a couple of days. From a strictly production standpoint, it is not viable. doesn't work. People get sick. People don't, don't do as well. Their brains are not as clear. In fact, even the body chemistry, there's some studies uh, that talk about all the things in your body that are made up of elements of seven. It's incredible. Does God know? Does the owner of Daniel know how we're made and formed and fashioned and how we work and function best? Absolutely. Let's look at the planets for a second. Um, where do we get our year from? Every time we go around the sun, one time, bing, it's a year. How about our month? Where do we get the month? The moon travels around us one time, bing, month. Where do we get the day? The earth rotates. I mean, don't imagine all these things or you'll get dizzy. One time, bing, day. Okay, where do we get the week? Come on. What? It's got to be one of these planets or something, right? There's absolutely nothing. People are dumbfounded. Where do we get the week? 
You can ask an atheist, where do we get the weak? Oh, it's just always been, I guess. It's a fair answer. Always been since God created it. So we have the Genesis account, we have Moses, we have all of the prophets before Jesus' time, we have Jesus himself and his practice, and then we get after Jesus, Acts 17, 1 and 2. They came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of the, of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, there it is again, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures. Sounds pretty plain to me. Acts 13, 42, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Acts 13, 44, on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. And then later in Acts 16, 13, and on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayers were customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. So we don't have a lot of references, but every reference we do is to the seventh day Sabbath. Going back to Revelation, Revelation 1.10, he says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Which day is the Lord's day? For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath, Matthew 12.8. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath, Mark 2.28. The Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath again in Luke 6.5. And so the Sabbath of the Creator God in Genesis is the Lord's day of Revelation. And if you think we're just, you know, capping off this thing of the Sabbath in Revelation, we're just getting started. There's a lot of good stuff in Revelation that we're still laying the groundwork for. The groundwork's kind of boring sometimes. I hope this hasn't been boring. But, you know, you're digging holes, and there's mud everywhere, and then there's cinder block, and you drive by, and there's still nothing. But then all of a sudden, you get the groundwork laid. That's what we're trying to do. And then you start the rough frame. You know, oh, it's going to be fun. Don't go anywhere. Okay. <clears throat> We're just getting started with the South. Revelation 14, 12. Here's the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God, or at least nine of them. Is that what it says? <laughs> Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So the Sabbath was given at creation. It's given at Sinai. It's kept by his people, all humanity, kept by Jesus, honored by the disciples, sign of God's power, and kept on the new earth. Wait a second, did I miss something? Oh, we haven't looked at that text. Isaiah 66, verse 22. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. Won't that be wonderful? Jesus leading out? I can't wait. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I was very blessed. My father would do something with me. He would uh, take me out. He called it special days. Sometimes it was a day. Sometimes it was a weekend. Did I share this with you already? No. And so uh, I oftentimes got to choose. So if we go out to eat, I, oftentimes I remember a chocolate shake with peanut butter cookies, and we'd mash it up in the the little bag that it came in and then we'd sprinkle it on top and you don't mix it all the way through because then it gets soggy so you keep the crunchy cook peanut butter cookies on top is anybody mouth watering and then you eat that off the top and you pull a little bit more and you eat that off the top and you, that's one thing that stands out to me i remember we played racquetball i remember we went backpacking and all these things and it was just dad and just me and it was so special because dad wanted to spend time with just me wow 
It wasn't the family. It wasn't, you know, all the other siblings. I was one of four. It was just me. And that stood out to me, still stands out to me. And I'm trying to do that now with my kids, and we take turns having a special day. And we go down the line, and they get to plan what they want to do. And we have fun together. You know, aside from all this biblical stuff, which I believe in, to me at the heart of this message is a God that is a personal God that says, I have created a special day every week and I want to spend it with you in this special way where we don't have to be rushed or hurried or have to worry about all these other stresses and things. It's just going to be you and me for the whole day. And we'll be able to enjoy each other and rest in that relationship. And that's what I see God calling us to. And again, maybe you've heard it for the first time. You say, this is kind of strange. This is kind of weird. I'm not so sure what I think about this. That's fine. Go pray about it. Look up the verses yourself. Ask the Lord to convict your heart. And if, if it still is confusing you, I mean, you can talk to me, but maybe you're not ready for that. We'll just put it up on the shelf for now. I'm fine with that. Just take this whole Sabbath thing. I mean, you're, you're doing yourself, I think, a disservice because it's such a beautiful gift, but that's okay. Take it and put it on the shelf, and you just wait. You keep coming, and you see how the Sabbath intermingles and plays in in a significant role in the book of Revelation. Because you might say, oh, you know, you're, you're nitpicking. Okay. Just take the whole nitpicking thing and put it up on the shelf. <laughs> Keep coming. And see how the book of Revelation keeps bringing up this, this subject. And see how it all kind of comes together in a way that only God could do. So if you're not ready to start keeping the Sabbath, that's fine. I'm fine with that. But I would encourage you to keep coming because you're going to see the importance and the significance how this truly is a sign that God gave us. And it has a, a huge impact and significance to interpreting the rest of Revelation and future events. So whatever you choose to do, or maybe you're not there. Maybe you, you've heard this and you say, man, that's so beautiful. I want to keep the Sabbath. Great. We didn't put that verse on the screen. And really, <clears throat> from the creation account, you have evening and morning was day one. Evening and morning was day two. Evening and morning was day three. So when does Sabbath start? Evening, when the sun sets and goes on all the way through the morning until the next evening and morning, that's the next day. So from sunset to sunset, Friday night to Saturday night, that's the Sabbath. Well, what am I going to do? That's the beauty of it. Maybe you go to bed early for once. Maybe you read your Bible a little bit more. Maybe you put on some beautiful music. Maybe you go worship with like believers. Maybe you go up on the parkway and, and, and look at nature and all the things that God has made because it's a memorial of creation. Maybe you do any of those things, but you just unplug for the day and you recharge in Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, we've looked at a lot of verses today and maybe the subject was a little bit overwhelming and we're never going to be able to remember all that. And I'm not so sure that so much matters as the very simple fact that we serve a personal God from the very beginning you knew we would need this time to rest, to recharge, to plug in, if you will, to you in a way that we just honestly can't do. 
the rest of the week. Yes, we can read our Bibles every day and even before we go to bed at night. But there's so much else on our to-do list. But one day a week, you command us to just put it all away and to not feel guilty and to spend time that's unhurried and unrushed and just enjoying and basking in time together with you and with family, with friends, in nature, even resting physically. And you knew that we would need that. You gave that precious gift to us. Lord, may we not discard it. May we remember it each and every week. It's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.